So, um, DJ, you and I got to talking about a uh, video from our friends at um, uh, the Bible Project. Yes, love the Bible Project. Yeah, we do. So, uh, it's it's um, they have. If you're not familiar with the Bible Project, you should get familiar with them because they have some good stuff. <laughs> they really do, and they do these animated. Um, videos on YouTube where they walk you through uh, whatever the subject is. And a lot of the times it's a, a particular book of the Bible. Yeah. And they, they they cover every book in the Bible. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, some have multiple videos depending on how long the book is. Yep. But it's these great little animations mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think like, it's not like Disney. Okay. It's not right. like a Disney animation, but it's just these simple little animations of them drawing the picture of, of kind of the layout, the overview of the chat of the book yep, and breaking down the chapters. And it is just, it's that riveting. Does a really good job. And right away you think, well, this is kids stuff, but it's not. I, I, uh, I watch them all the time and I've seen them multiple times. Um, their one on uh, the Trinity is really good. If you've never seen that one, mm-hmm. it's actually really good. But uh, anyway, I just got done reading Jonah about Jonah and the whale. Yes, mm-hmm. and the fish. <clears throat> one of the one of the best books in the Bible. Yeah, one of the sixty six best books in the Bible. Yep. So I I got done reading that, and then I and then I watched the the video on that, and. So maybe we should backtrack. Okay. So um, the the story of Jonah, which I will summarize from um, Eli and Haley's Bible that I used when they were babies. You know the one I'm talking about? Yep. The green one. It's uh, you know. Uh, oh yeah. It's, it's animated and or it's 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 illustrated and it's it's tells the story really simply. Mm-hmm. And basically the story of Jonah is Jonah is a guy who God says, Hey, I need you to go to Nineveh and tell those people they need to straighten out or it's going to be bad for them. And you don't really find out why you just know that Jonah says, Nope, not doing it. And <laughs> maybe it's because he was afraid to tell them things that they didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. So he bags out of there and he goes uh, and gets on a boat with some fishermen and they get out into the sea and all of a sudden the waters are raging and uh, the guys say, I don't know what's going on. And Jonah says, well, I do. God's mad and you got to throw me overboard uh, and then this will all stop. So they're like, okay, you're out of here. And they eject the guy out of the boat and then he gets swallowed up by a great big whale. He's in the whale and he's like, God, I'm really sorry. I I can't believe that I didn't do what you wanted me to do. And so uh, give me a second chance and I'll do it. So God tells the, the whale to throw him up out onto the shore and he gets thrown up onto the shore and he gleefully goes into Nineveh and says, <laughs> Gleefully. You guys. <laughs> just picture him skipping. Yeah, yeah. just like. <laughs> you, you guys need to straighten up your act because God said so. And then they straighten up their act and everybody lives happily ever after. Wouldn't that be nice if that's how that story went? Sure. <laughs> and so then I watched the Bible Project video. <laughs> yeah. Which starts basically on the uh, along the lines of, Jonah is a really bad man. He's a jerk. <laughs> he's, a, he's a jerk and nobody trusts him because... They're leery of his prophecy from earlier in the Bible. Yes, he's a false prophet. (laughs) Yeah. 
so prophesied like, falsely. Yeah, they he uh, <clears throat> prophesied falsely, and uh, he is uh, he he didn't run because he was afraid to tell people bad news. He ran because he just didn't want to do it. Right, and mm-hmm. so then he got put on the boat, and then he gets thrown overboard, and then he kind of sort of repented, but not really. No, he didn't. And then. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes back on shore and he tells people what God wanted him to say in the quickest way possible. And then when God said, all right, I'm going to relent. I'm not going to destroy the city. Then he was mad at God yeah. and was like, hey, this is not right. You should, I want fire and brimstone. <laughs> right? You're getting closer. You're not quite there, but you're getting closer. <laughs> Who's getting closer? Me? You are. <laughs> That's closer to what it says, but it's not far enough yet. Well, and then, uh, yeah, then then at the end, I think God is like, it's your problem, dude. Pretty much. Yeah. And then it kind of ends there. And that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap her up. So I... All the cows repented. What do you want? Uh, <laughs> so in the first minute is when uh, uh, Tim Mackey, uh, who narrates the, the Bible Project videos and is uh, heavily involved. He's one of the guys who started it yep. uh, does the whole, this guy's a jerk. Yeah. Rotten. Nobody trusts him. And uh, uh, he's kind of sleazy. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute now. <laughs> this isn't what Eli and Haley's kids Bible said. <laughs> so I emailed DJ and I'm like, Hey, you got to watch this video and tell me what you're thinking here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, DJ was like, yep, he's right. Okay. <laughs> DJ's like yes and <laughs> all right can i give a little bit of uh, uh context and and build on what you just said there oh, this wasn't it wasn't that wasn't the whole it uh, the whole thing no no <laughs> no all right go ahead all right so a couple things kids um i'd encourage you to go watch the video and what ryan is referring to is uh needing a little bit of context to understand what's going on now first of all what you need to know is that the book of jonah is arguably the funniest book in the Bible if you read it understanding that irony and satire are being used to lampoon the powerful. And Jonah is always a great read after that fun little ditty known as the book of Job. (laughs) The book of Job argues the question, why does bad things happen to good people? And it's one of the best of the wisdom literature. And what we learned from the wisdom literature in the Bible is that the wisdom literature basically shares what it looks like to live out the covenant that God has given and to live within God's forgiveness, okay? That's where the wisdom uh, meets the road. And then it's able to tackle the big questions of life, the hard questions, like why does bad things happen to good people? Jonah, in its four chapters, deals with the question, why is God merciful to bad people? So it's the reverse question of Job Mm -hmm. in that regard. But it's written in such a way that it's full of humor, especially to the people who were reading it at that time, which would have been um, um, the Jewish people. So a little bit of background. Outside of the book of Jonah, our hero Jonah, or our our protagonist or antagonist, whatever (laughs) you want to call him, shows up in 2 Kings 14, 23 through 25. And he's talking to a really bad king named Jeroboam II. Jeroboam II was king in the northern kingdom of Israel just before they are wiped out by the city of 
da 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 Nineveh, where the Assyrians were from. Oh, okay. The same city that Jonah is sent to go and speak to them about. Okay. And what does Jonah do in Second Kings? He comes and he gives a prophecy to King Job, Jeroboam II to expand his kingdom into an, a, a territory of land. Now what um, uh, Pastor Dr. Um, Mackey, I can't remember his name, the one who, who does Tim, these. Tim Mackey. Yep. Tim Mackey does is he makes this argument that uh, Jonah's already circumspect as soon as you start reading the book of Jonah, or he would have been to his audience because they knew what happened in 2 Kings, where Jeroboam II took over this land, but then the Ninevites come in and destroy everything. The Assyrians destroy everything. And this actually comes up in another one of the prophets. Um, I want to say it's, is it Amos? Another one of the prophets, yeah, aside from Jonah. That, that uh, prophesied. Prophesied that Jeroboam II would be judged yeah. by Nineveh, by yeah. the Assyrians. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. Right. Now, if you notice in Amos's prophecy, the reason for the judgment is not because Jonah was wrong and is a bad guy and a false prophet. Jonah was correct. It's that Jeroboam II took pride in himself that the victory was because of his hand and not given to him because of the Lord. There is this thing, maybe you've heard of it, um, that has a different meaning in the Bible than it does in our modern American culture. Uh, If I was to ask you, Ryan and Dana, Mm -hmm. what does jihad mean? What would you tell me? You going first? No. There's no wrong answer here. <laughs> Just tell me what what uh, uh, I can. That I, should be in our in in our. That should be in our our glossary yep. in yeah. our culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's um. Well, it depends on the the sort of the since nine eleven meaning of jihad is basically uh, the it it stands for Islamic uh, religious. Um, domination, maybe we'll mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's an Arabic word, and jihad uh, refers to um, conflict or struggle uh, within uh, the religion of Islam, and depending on what flavor of Islam you're part, it, it could mean making war against people, or it could be the inner conflict against your, your sinful nature. Mm-hmm. But they didn't get that out of whole cloth when Islam came around. Jihad is in the Old Testament. Jihad really means God will fight for you. Okay. It's not you will fight for God. God will fight for you. So in the Old Testament, when a prophet would speak and say to a king, God's going to win this battle for you, mm-hmm. all the glory goes to God. All of it. Okay. Right. This is what got King Saul in a bunch of trouble because he wasn't doing what God told him to do after he won the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, here you have the same thing with Jeroboam II and with all of the kings of ancient Israel, of, of the Israel northern kingdom, none of them are considered good or righteous in God's eyes according to the scriptures, according to First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. And so <clears throat> Amos is laying this charge on him that you did not give 
basically you weren't faithful to God. And that's why this land that you, that God gave into your hands is now being taken away from you and it's being taken away permanently. Because what's going to happen next is the entire northern kingdom of Israel is going to be wiped out by the Assyrians and they're all sent into exile. It's why when we talk about the descendants of Israel today, what are they ethnically known as? Are they Hebrews? Jews. Right. They're, they're not Hebrews. They're not Israelites. They're Jews. But why? Where are they from? Judah. Judah, the southern kingdom, <laughs> the only kingdom that remains. Yep. We don't call them Danites or Manasseites or Ephraimites, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their, their half-cousins after the Assyrian conquest end up becoming known as the Samaritans, which we hear about in the New Testament, and those are ancient, ancient enemies because of what's happening in, uh, in, in the time of Jonah when the Assyrian Empire destroys Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's the context now you get Jonah, and here things get really wonky about what's going on because it's a complete inverse of the context of what happened in Israel prior to its destruction. How many prophets were sent to Israel? Like, First of all, let me just let you know that Israel, as its own kingdom separate from Judah, was 200 years old by the time of its destruction. 922 BC was the end of the reign of King Solomon over a unified kingdom of Israel. Then it was taken over by someone who was not of the Davidic line, who ruled over uh, the northern tribes of Israel minus Judah, the southern, the southern tribe, the southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom was around for 200 years as a separate kingdom. And it made war with Judah. They had civil wars. Um, a different form of worship was set up. Uh, they had two golden calves that were worshipped, not just like the one during the time of Moses. I mean, they were doing everything you could imagine, worshipping God as they saw fit um, and making war and so on and so forth. Well, the northern kingdom ends up being wiped out after 200 years. And Jonah's alive during the midst of that. And in that 200 years, there were several prophets that were sent. Elijah, Elisha, uh, Hosea. Amos, um, pretty much every generation had a prophet coming and saying, turn back to the Lord, turn back to the Lord, turn back to the Lord, turn back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. After 200 years, God's grace is, is removed from Israel and they're allowed to be taken and destroyed. And the enemy that destroys them are those, those godless Ninevites. Um, there's a really funny old movie. I guess it would be old now, but for me it was not old. It's, um, uh, Veggie Tales. You ever heard of Veggie Tales? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have a Jonah movie, and I remember it was yeah. the first movie in the theater. Yep. And I love how they talked about the Ninevites. They go around slapping people with fish. <laughs> <laughs> they slap you in the face with fish. <laughs> fish. Um, that's that's kind of the the um, theme of the Assyrians. They were an oppressive and harsh people. That when they conquered a nation, they didn't just like impose their will on them they wiped them out and Mm -hmm. sent them all over the place that's what happened with israel and israel never came back together they were amalgamated into gentile culture into the assyrian culture throughout all the ancient world but they would do horrible things to the leaders that they conquered Mm -hmm. um 
as, as I, one does as one does i mean they would take babies and you know the the thing is baby they would well not to make it too gross but i mean they would if if they conquered a village and there were babies there well those babies were tossed away i'll just i'll, I'll make it it's worse than that but they were just thrown away mm-hmm. okay and left to die um they were killed um and so here you have god saying to jonah in the context of all that I want you to go to Nineveh of all places. A prophet of Israel is sent to the enemy's camp. Not tons of them, not one every week, one prophet alone. And when a prophet of the Lord is called, they're compelled to speak. It's not as if they're like, well, I signed up for something else and I got prophet in the (laughs) army of the Lord and... This is lame. I wanted to be a cook. You know, it's it's not like that. It's can we trade? Yeah, right. What, what was your assignment? I got prophet. Yeah, right. And so, I mean, they, they a prophet is someone who speaks the word of God, and it's it's they're compelled. They're they're they have to speak it. It's you hear it. It doesn't sound like a fun job being a prophet because you're constantly, basically, serving as God's litigators. You're going to the people and saying, you keep breaking the covenant that you made with God and, and God's got some bones to pick with you. And it's really calling people into repentance. Yeah. And it's a loveless job. I mean, when you're telling people they're doing wrong and they, they think, well, we're doing just fine. People Economy's don't like roaring. to be told they're wrong. Right. Economy's roaring. Uh, you know, national pride's never been so good. Uh, our kids are in the top 10 percentile in the world. What, what do you mean we're not doing so good? Well, the Lord says. And... Rather than going and doing as he's called to do, this prophet goes in the exact opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So there's that first piece of humor. Um, it's the irony of here Israel, the place, the, the, the people of the one true God, had multiple prophets come to them, calling them to repentance. And they would you know, even be tormented and persecuted by their own people for promoting God's will, for, for calling people to repent. And now here in Jonah, you got one prophet who's called to go and tell the enemy of Israel to re- repent, and he runs in the opposite direction. Why? Well, we find out at the end why. And part of it is just, uh, uh, you know, uh, God is, is long-suffering, steadfast, and merciful, and full of love to all people. And the prophet knows this. And the prophet doesn't like the fact that the right. Ninevites, uh, that God is going to give them a word, right? Yep. Because, and here's another little bit of irony. Uh, what if they accept that word? Yep. What does that say about his own people, Israel? That's what he says. Isn't that what he says? What if they, what if they repent? No. Uh, he, at the end. And yeah. so, and so, so this is the setup. So what does he do? He goes to Tarshish. He hops on a boat going as far in the opposite direction as possible. God says, go northeast. He starts going southwest. Or, yeah, southwest. Now, he's on a boat full of pagans. Okay? They don't know God. And what does he do as he's on this boat? He's tired. He lays down and goes to sleep. (laughs) And then things start rocking and rolling. And here's the prophet just sleeping away, sleeping away when... Things need to happen, and you have all the the people on the boat, and they're doing a little a little uh, voodoo or something. They they mm-hmm. cast lots and they discover, aha, Jonah's the one. He's yep. the reason. 
And so they bring him up and, and you know, they say to him, why, why, what is going on? And what does he say? Well, I just happen to be a prophet for, of the one true God, not one of your pitiful little pagan gods that aren't really anything. The God I worship created the heavens and the earth and the ocean and everything in it. What? And, and so they're flipping out. Yeah. And they're praying to all their gods. So you have like Zeus, Poseidon. You got one guy yelling, help, you know, just anybody. And they're like, why don't you pray to your God? And he says, well, because my God will actually do something about it. <laughs> and so they're, we like, don't want that. they're like, well, what? what? And so what ends up happening is Jonah says, look, if you want this to stop, you need to toss me into the ocean. I would rather die than have to say the word of um, that God has taken an interest in Nineveh. I would rather die. Um, what's funny about it is the pagans who are an unruly, unsophisticated bunch end up showing more empathy toward Jonah, um, who, who has the law of God, who has the 10 commandments, who knows right and wrong. They're merciful to him. They refuse to do anything and ultimately end up worshiping the one true God. Yep. And being like, Lord, forgive us for what we're doing for this guy. Yeah. And, you know, Jonah's hanging off the end. Like, just just pull my finger off. I'm already ready to go. Yeah. Just, um, just throw me. So before, And it wasn't even throw me. It's almost like he's hanging off the end of the boat. All like, you got to do is nudge me. Yeah. Be, before you I'll get, make it so easy for you to yeah. just. I, I love how it reads in the ESV. I remember this as you. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about this, about him going to sleep. Yeah. So he's downstairs and they're like, hey, what's going on around here? And so then, uh, but Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> this, if you, if you read it with humor, yeah. it makes a lot more sense and it's got a lot more punch to it. It's kind of like what we talked about last time, uh, Ryan, about with Jesus. Jesus is not always being straight-laced mm-hmm. in the New Testament. There are times that he's using satire yep. and actually like making fun of the people, like teasing them, like kind of hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you want to get rich by stealing people's money, unrighteous wealth? Well, why don't you go live with them in their eternal tents? Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> eternal about a tent. Um, I'm trying to find where it is. Anyway, so so they they toss him over, and now he's thinking, ah, sweet ob- oblivion, that'll keep me from having to do what the Lord has told me to do. Uh, but no, it doesn't work that way, because two things. The sea is associated with hell yep. in the Old Testament. It's Sheol, the land of the dead. It's where we get the term, um, if you ever heard the term uh, Davy Jones Locker, yep. mm-hmm. the deep, Mm-hmm. that is the underworld. That's the place where the dead go. Yep. And so at the end in Revelation, hell will give up all of its dead and so will the seas. Mm-hmm. They will give up all their dead. So he's floating down thinking, ah, uh, sweet oblivion, take Wait, me over. Random question. Have yeah. you seen this uh, Super Mario movie? Yeah. And little Lumily? Yes. <laughs> Every time you say that. Sweet oblivion. Ah, sweet oblivion. Oh, no. <laughs> right? That thing was actually kind of creepy. You've never even seen like the clips of Lumily. No. Oh, I love that little thing. Are you talking the Super Mario Brothers with uh, Captain Lou Albano, or which one was that? 
<laughs> That's no. the Super Mario Brothers Super Show from oh, back in the day. Oh, yeah. Is Captain Lou still alive? No, I no. don't think so. I don't think so either. Well, anyway, no, this is the new movie. Okay. Anyway, uh, where was I? So he's floating down into sweet oblivion, and suddenly, not a whale, but a gigantic fish mm-hmm. comes and gets him. Now, is it a whale? Is it a fish? Who knows? Who, Who cares? cares? You know, um, the point could is. Be a Magdalene. Yeah, that, Magalodon, that's Magalodon, right. Magalodon, yeah. Could, could be a gigantic carp. I have no idea. It could be a walleye. Yeah. Um, snaps him up, and now we have a whole Pinocchio in the belly of the whale scenario going on. And in there, you have kind of a repentance, but not really a repentance, and kind of a praising God thing. And this is an important part because this scene of Jonah in the belly of the fish shows up in the New Testament when Jesus says... Mm-hmm. When he's asked, give us a sign from faithless people, he says, the only sign you'll receive is the sign of Jonah. Three days and three nights. Mm-hmm. Well, where is Jonah? He's not in the belly of the fish. Jonah's dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's actually dead. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the amazing thing. Even in death, he can't get away from God. Yeah. God is right there. He's still hearing Jonah. And Jonah has not carried out the will of God on earth as it is in heaven yet. Yeah. So Jonah kind of comes to his senses for the most part. You know, death will do that to you. <laughs> I suppose. You got knocked out. Yeah, I got knocked out. <laughs> Jonah got thrown in the sea. I, I got a hard reboot. <laughs> um, so his, his took three days. Mine took like <laughs> half a nanosecond. Just whoop, right back up. Um, now imagine how bad his headache was. Exactly right. So what happens is the fish after Jonah's prayer, and I can read you some of Jonah's prayer if you want. Um, but it's basically just praising God. Uh, verse nine, but I, with the voice of Thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will pay salvation belongs to the Lord. So kind of repentance, not really repentance, just basically, Oh, okay. Yeah. You got I'm me. dead. He's like, okay, well, I clearly don't like this anymore. I literally went as far as I could in rebellion. And it I, didn't work. And I even died. <laughs> and that still didn't get me rid of you. So I guess I got better go do what you, you told me win, to do. You win, I lose. <laughs> right. You're the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so verse 10, it says in chapter 2, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Yep. Vomited him out. Now the fun part. He's at Nineveh. And... um. It takes a day and a half to walk to the center of Nineveh. So for a day and a half, he is trudging along in the city of Nineveh with this word from God. In Hebrew, the word, the sentence, the the ministry of Jonah to the Ninevites is five words long. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, what he says is he walks to the center, and I don't know how loud he said it, but he basically <laughs> just said, in a very loud city, you're all going to die. That's all he said. You're all dead. 40 days, kaboom. I mean, that's basically what it says. 40 days, skadoosh. Lights out. out. Night, night. He leaves. It's just one of those, like, I don't know. Seems weird of, like, just some random dude walking through town screaming, you're all going to (laughs) die. Not even screaming. He walks to the center, has not said a word to anybody, and just basically goes, 40 days, Lights out. We're shutting her down. We're shutting her down. <laughs> and then leaves. Lights go off. And it it's here's the here's the irony. How many 
prophets for years and years and years preached to Israel. Not just Israel, but also to Judah, all the prophets that we have recorded in Scripture for years. Jeremiah's ministry was 40 years long. Jonah goes for one day, or, or one and a half days, I guess, two days, three days, mm-hmm. says five words and leaves, and what ends up happening is it spreads like wildfire. And everybody, everybody repents of their sins. Everyone tears their clothes. The king, everybody was like, well, what do you mean the party's over? No more hitting people in face with fish? What's going on? Everybody repents. And the scriptures say uh, the king repents, the, the local people repent. I mean, and this is repentance. This is not Jonah going, okay, I'll do what you want. This is repentance. Mm-hmm. And it says, and even the animals repented. I mean, everybody is repenting in Nineveh. Their fleas are repenting. Everybody is turning to the Lord in sackcloth and ashes. And Jonah is ticked off. So what does he do? He trudges back out. Goes up the hill to watch the whole thing come down. Goes up on the hill and he is just fuming. Kill uh, me now. After the Ninevites <laughs> repent, it Strike says verse 10, dead. when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. Yep. Um, I'm trying to find the actual word of Jonah. It's so small. Which one? Uh, uh, Jonah. I'm when looking. he's up on the hill, you mean? No, no, his word. Uh, yeah, here it is. 40 days and Nineveh's gone. <laughs> it's basically a summary on my part. It shall be destroyed. It shall be overthrown. Uh, so God repented. And now, so Jonah goes up and it says, ver- chapter four, but it displeased. I'm going to read it the way that you should read it. Okay. Cause it's not long, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from distaste. What's the matter with you? If you read the (laughs) Psalms, remember Pastor Cross? Uh His favorite verse. It comes up over and over again. I, the Lord your God, am merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. comes up over and over and over again. I knew you were merciful (laughs) then he goes therefore now oh lord please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live and the lord said why are you angry man (laughs) what is yeah what are you so mad about what's wrong so jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there basically made a tent or a lean-to basically he had like a like a a soccer chair with one of those. They you can buy them. Yeah, they have yeah, little like the little sunshade, little cover, little shade over the top. That's what he went and did. Uh, he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So basically, sitting there like, all right, God, I did my part. Yep, wipe it out. Bring the thunder. And then it didn't come. Gets his little stadium chair and is like, yes. Poor <laughs> Watch jo- it burn. Poor just, Jonah is sad. He's just, just sitting howling. there, just fuming like. All these people are happy and God merciful to them. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah. So God basically says to a plant or a weed, grow up into a tree, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. (laughs) 
So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So we got a little change in emotion with Jonah here. He's happy. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. (laughs) When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Hmm. And the Lord said, You pity the plant, for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons. Sounds kind of like Fargo, right? Yeah. (laughs) Who do not know their right hand from their left. And also, there's a bunch of cattle. (laughs) The end. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) See ya. Gotta go. So, it's full of irony and humor, and the whole thing being, one... A, a bit of a lament against Israel's failure to heed the Lord's call, but then also to be have any type of animosity toward anybody uh, because God is merciful, mm-hmm. loving, and so on. So, The funny part about that is uh, I see that with people all the time who are yeah. still ticked. Yeah. If, if, like if they would find out that, that what, that guy's going to go to heaven now? Right. Right. Kidding me? Mm-hmm. Right. If he's there, I don't want to be there. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And that's kind of the point of the story of Jonah, right? And, yeah. and so mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what he was saying at the beginning about we this guy's suspect right from the get go. <laughs> he's like, sus. Mm. <laughs> it's just it's very funny and it's full of humor. And you gotta read it that way. Like yeah. it's meant to be read out loud. It's meant to be read. There are certain books that are meant to be read out loud in the Bible. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. Esther is another one. Okay. Esther is great. Mm-hmm. In um Jewish communities around the world. They don't do like um, a nativity play at Christmas time. They do Esther plays. Really? Yeah. And it's it's good too. Like hmm. the whole cor- crowd gets into it. It's got almost like, it's not like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it's got kind of that vibe. <laughs> kind of, yeah. There's there's things that the crowd says as the play is going on, like yeah. talking to it back and forth. Yeah. Like when, when uh, the bad guy comes on, everyone's supposed to boo, hiss. <laughs> and when the hero comes on, you cheer. Yay. Yeah. Um, that's Jonah's like that too. Jonah's meant to be read out loud so that you can hear mm-hmm. the humor and the irony that's in it. Another book that's meant to be read out loud is revelation mm-hmm. in the gospels. Yep. So there we go. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think going back to, are you all done? Sure. I okay. I think so. Go I on. closed the Bible. Go ahead. <laughs> he said the end. It's my last word. All right. Enjoy your... All the cattle repented, so I'm enjoying my buble. Buble. Do you think, maybe this is a little too controversial, do you think that kids' Bibles do a disservice to people? Hmm. Well... Go ahead. Because if... Jonah was one example, but there's a lot of examples 
in a lot of those little kid books, and I understand you can't get graphic and you can't, there's a lot of things that are in a regular Bible that you you can't put in a kid's Bible, right? Right. right. But you can't call the, somebody a jerk in the Bible, okay? Like they're but, little kids. Yeah. Jerk's a bad word for them. Yes. Right. But like um, just the ideas that, that people get about different things. It sticks because yeah. you got it by the time you were five. You know, anything right. you get before you're five, it's tough to turn that back around. More so than other books of the Bible, children's Bibles are most often paraphrases of particular stories, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it, it does. If that's if that's all you get, if it doesn't serve as like a a, a, a starting, starting point, point, right? to get deeper mm-hmm. as you get older, then yeah, I think if that's all you know. I was speaking to some guy who came came and visited me to, today, just, you know. for a long time. Yeah, he, he had some questions for a pastor, and he was, he, um, you know, he, he world, the world was weighing down on him. Okay. You know, this happens more often than people might think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, part of the nice things about being in ministry is sometimes the Lord brings people in that we're not expecting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. But in talking to him, he had a lot to get off of his shoulders. Um, he did most of the talking. I, I discovered that his understanding of what the Bible actually says is pretty limited to that type of thing. It's not what Scripture actually says. It's usually what, kind of like the game Telephone, somebody mm-hmm. told him that this is what it says. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, I started opening Scripture with him and just going through certain things, and I think that helped. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I on one hand it's a good thing. On another hand, I I do the paraphrasing can be. I, I'm not going to say it's bad. I actually think it's you know the paraphrasing is good because it gets someone started. But if that's the end of it, then mm-hmm. you're missing out on so much. Right. Yeah. Because that's what I was going to say. I was like, it's the point of like you want, like if you can get them to consume it that early in age, like that's a good thing, mm-hmm. and that's the only way you're going to be able to get them to is if you condense it it's a yeah. lot yeah but yeah you can't just have that be it otherwise there's not a, getting anything from there, it there's um two great children's bibles that i like more than any of them one is called the see with me bible and i like it because the art is so good like uh, ryan you remember back in the 70s when we got children's bibles like early 80s 70s mm-hmm. the art was kind of like the dude with the fro on public broadcasting yeah hey, i'm just gonna draw a little tree here yeah. we'll give him a little friend ross. over here love bob ross yeah i can't say that that the paintings of you know in children's story bibles were really that mm-hmm. riveting yeah. uh to <laughs> steal a word but the read the, the see with me bible is excellent okay and the read with me Bible is kind of the next step in that. Um, We're like slowly losing art and getting more words. Yeah, it has more words, but it still has the same kind of art. So mm-hmm. it's re- it's like a cartoon, like it's mm-hmm. cartoon style art, like Disney Disney level art. Yep. Okay. Um, and all three of my kids learned. They read through that entire Bible, so I could say all my three of my kids learned how to read by reading the Bible. Now, did they get? All the Bible? No, they got the the, the hits, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it did a better job than some. But, you know, I mean, if if all you get is the sanitized Sunday school version of what's going on, you miss out. The, the world is not like that. 
the Bible is a reflection and reveals what life is like in all of its bumps and bruises, the beauty as well as the tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave a message on Sunday, and, and the clip I used was from The Princess Bride. Yeah, you got to stop that. I know. This, I think I ran out of clips because I couldn't find it. That was the last clip from The Princess Bride. I've, seen, I've used the whole movie now. I've used it all. So if you go back. There's no more to use. Watch but, the whole movie. But in the movie, you know, it says um, the, the grandson who's sick says to his grandpa, you know, a book. He's like, that's right. Back when my when I was your age, television was called books, which you know, YouTube was called books yep. for my son. Uh, but then then he goes on. Well, are there any sports in it? And he goes, Are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, torture. Uh, what else does he say in it? He names all these things. And as he was going down it, um, uh, uh, escapes, uh, monsters, giants, true love, miracles. Everything that I just said yeah. is in the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, you're not going to see that in a kid's Bible. Right. Yeah. You know, you have a very G-rated King David in a kid's Bible. Mm-hmm. And you get the rest of the story in the Bible Bible. Right. Uh, and it's not all, you know, he had David and his mighty men. And, uh, but he did some pretty, <laughs> look yeah. at it like, whoa, man. Yeah. So. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know if that helps. Well, it's just... I was just curious. Like the children's what, what Bible you, you is thought. like the, the children's Bible is like the Disney Channel, and the actual Bible is more like HBO. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Hmm. Much less of a lens on it there. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, the other thing we're talking about is, and the King James version is like the BBC. How's that? <laughs> the BBC. Perfect. Do you know, uh, like they're speaking English, but I don't understand what they're saying. (laughs) Do you know why, uh, why people in England say British? Why? Because they're hiding the T after that whole Boston incident. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Amos. (laughs) Brilliant. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Uh, good times. <laughs> All right. Good Why? stuff. <laughs> good stuff. That is. Uh, what about prophets? Are there still prophets hanging around? Yes, uh, but not in the way that people think. Um Revelation speaks about the two witnesses or the two prophets and prophecy post-resurrection when the Holy Spirit... See, a prophet is specifically endowed with the Holy Spirit. That's why he's able to do the things that he's doing and saying the things that he's saying because the Holy Spirit is is uh, calling, gathering, enlightening, and holifying the prophet to speak God's will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what happened on Pentecost? Anyone remember? The prophecy of Joel is fulfilled that in the excuse me, in in the later times I will send my holy spirit upon men and women and children and all will prophesy mm-hmm. and do the wonders of God. Well, what is the pouring out of the holy spirit at Pentecost but the news that the entire witness of the Bible has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so 
prophecy going forward is not about what God's going to do next. We have the full revelation of God's will in the Bible, in the New Testament. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. Rather, we live in a not a time of prophecy, but we live in the time of the Holy Spirit. And between now and the end of all things, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to gather as many sinners into the faith to make saints out of them through faith in Jesus Christ alone, through the hearing of the word of God. And the word of God is an announcement. The gospel is an announcement. It's, it's the good news that God is going to have merciful, is going to be merciful to you because he's, he's loving and uh, merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love, everything that is said, you know, mm-hmm. that Jonah knows. That's the message of the gospel for all to hear and the gospel has been running strong for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And we are one day closer to the end of all things than we were yesterday. Yep. And it's going to continue until God is done turning sinners into saints through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Hmm. I heard, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, I've, maybe I've shared this with you before. I, one night I was listening to Coast to Coast AM with George Nori. I, yes, I'm sure you've told me this. <laughs> and, I feel like even I know what you're about to say. <laughs> and he said that they were talking about when the, when the, the world is going to end. And this guy said that it was his belief that uh, he partly believes in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Because, partly? <laughs> so just like the upper half gets reincarnated? Well, yeah. No, what he, what he meant was that God will not, Jesus will not return. Uh, the, the world will not come to an end until everyone has been converted to Christianity. And so... Which he, version? The real one, I suppose. So Lutheran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what he was saying? Okay. Everybody will accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Okay. And so uh, once you... Once you pass that phase, then you're not reincarnated again. Oh, you just keep getting you, reincarnated. You just, until oh, yeah. well, yeah. then how does it work that the population keeps growing? Well, maybe things are accelerating. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> You'd think if more and more people were coming to Christ, there'd be less people. Well, like it would get less, not more. Well, maybe we're getting close to that time, and mm. there's a lot of work to do. I don't know. Yeah, there's more. There's people more people are, than we thought. So I we guess so. People, people have been around for a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was interesting. So reincarnation is a fine concept, uh, as far as a belief system is concerned, because it takes away any kind of responsibility for your neighbor in this life. To speak to people that are Hindu or live in that culture, uh, right now in India, um, Christians are being more and more persecuted for their belief because they think everyone has intrinsic value. Mm -hmm. Under the Hindu system, Mm -hmm. um, if you're poor and you have kids, you shouldn't take care of your kids if they get sick because they'll be in a better circumstance if they die. Okay. So if you think about that as a system, what value does that place on life? Not much. Not much at all. Um, and that's why Christianity is is becoming a bit of a thorn in the side of 
in India. Um, are you okay? Carter I walked saw by. Him move. Oh, Carter walked <laughs> by. Scared Dana. See, I have the. I have the. I, I got a good view of everybody. I can wave at him. As, yeah, as no, soon. I just caught him, out, and so I looked, and he's going For those listening, off. we yeah. now have a window. Yep, so we're, we're now like a zoo exhibit yep. here yeah. in the podcast room. Uh, but the point being is that is that the Christian worldview and a reincarnation worldview do not uh, uh, go well together for specifically this reason. If you believe that all are created in the image of God and therefore have intrinsic value, then the idea of reincarnation becomes... Um, superfluous to what you're called to do in the time that you have in this place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not getting all the steps right and then coming back and getting all the steps right again. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That was just on George Nori once. Maybe I've told you that before. I don't remember. Yeah. Good old reincarnation. (laughs) George Nori. (laughs) Love it. Thanks for joining us for that podcast. Don't forget you can find all of our services online every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for a tradition service or 10.30 a.m. for a modern service. You'll find them at atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, or on YouTube where you can also find all of our library of content. So thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on another riveting episode of That Podcast.